Uh, Jack, Jack, quick moment of your time, please. How does it feel to finally discover the Villa Talks podcast? Um, best day of my life. Great, there you have it. Back to you at the studio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Villa Talks podcast, uh, a special episode, one that we didn't think we'd be recording just yet, but uh, be very, I'm very glad to be joined by two very special guests today and we're going to be doing a deep dive into the under 23 team and the academy setup, something that a lot of people have been requesting uh, for us to talk about. I'm glad to have two experts with me, yeah, my knowledge is fairly basic, but uh, I've got uh, two individuals, We've I know the January transfer window hasn't started yet, but we've managed to get two loans in, two very exciting signings. Firstly, we've got Simon Lyons from Villa on Tour. How are you doing, Simon? How are you doing, mate? Yeah, not so bad, mate. Thank you. Good, good. Nice to have you on. Uh, and we've also got we've also got uh, Seb Bacon from Up the Villa podcast. How are you doing, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Excellent, excellent. Uh, I must say, well, Villa, firstly, Villa on Tour is uh, it's a big miss for us Villa fans. Not seeing, uh, not seeing you on YouTube and seeing you going to the games. Obviously, it must be a pretty big miss not being able to go to the games these last few months. How's it been? Yeah, it's, it's it's been a tough one, really. I mean, you know, like our sort of lives like sort of revolved around going to the Villa game, sort of thing. And so taking that away from us, it's been obviously really difficult, been really hard for everybody. Um, in terms of the videos, yeah, obviously really missing being on the videos. But I think um, I feel I think Max, you know, just just sort of felt that it was hard to produce the content at the moment without us being able to go to the matches. And so um, while it, while it's a big miss, the, you know, the, the, there's other Villa contact content producers out there so hopefully filling the void while we're taking a little bit of a little bit of a break yeah well hopefully we'll get you get you back on uh on our tv screen sooner rather than later uh and i'm sure and i know you guys love going to all types of matches anyway so hopefully now the crowds are starting to go back um you know we'll, we'll start seeing us uh hopefully villa being one of them being able to go back to the grounds uh seb um hey you're taking part in the the festive dash yeah, the Villa podcast guys. Yes, we we signed up. Uh, hopefully, it will be all right. I mean, I don't know what I'm like, but yeah, hopefully it will be fine. <laughs> you did much training? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Typical, really. But hopefully, hopefully, I'll be fine, and we can raise some money. And you'll be fine, mate. You'll be ten k. You're ten k off the bat, surely. No, no training needed. How, how young are you? Fifteen. Fifteen. That's 15, ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Fifteen years old. I was not. Well, our podcast didn't really exist then anyway, but I'm not going to show my age then, but I definitely wouldn't have been researching under 23 Aston Villa sides. I'd be uh, <laughs> monging out and watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or something like that. So, <laughs> fair play to you, mate. Fair play to you. Uh, well, great to have you both on. Like I said, we'll be doing a bit of a deep dive into the into the academy setup. Hopefully you find it interesting. But before we start, let's just have a quick uh, few minutes on, on the season so far and just get your thoughts because we always like to talk about the sort of the, the sort of the current mood of the Villa fan base. Simon, what's been your what's been your thoughts so far on these nine or so games that we've had this far uh, so far this season? Um, what, what, what are your thoughts right now? I think it's been a strange one, hasn't it? Really, I think we we sort of exceeded expectations in the opening few weeks of the season, and then you know we've got some incredible wins which we didn't expect: the Liverpool, Arsenal, and Leicester, obviously. Um, and then we've but we have lost the last four, four out of the last five, and so it's a bit of a weird one. I think you look at the table; you've got to be happy with where we are at the moment. 
Um, and the progress has been huge from last season. I just think, obviously, when expectations reach a certain point, I think that's when people start getting disappointed when you lose when you lose games, naturally. Um, but I think overall, I think when you look at it, you've got to be fairly pleased with, uh, with, with how we're doing at the moment. Seb, it's a big shame the Newcastle game was called off, wasn't it, on Friday? Because that was really our chance. I know and the games are coming thick and fast and you, you don't worry about fatigue, but I think that was a big chance for us to get back to winning ways and, and get back up the table as well. Yeah, look, it showed a really good opportunity. With Newcastle also have play, players out injured as well. I, I saw that as a good chance to almost have a hit and see what we could produce against almost a weaker side. So it's a shame, but obviously the health of the players has to come first. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I mean, I put stuff out there on my on the Villa Podcast Twitter page um, and around the rules and what the Premier League had set out in terms of the, the precedent and what they wanted to... Well, you know, set their stall out basically to start of the season, but at the same time, when there's so many players who have got COVID, then it, it's a tough one. And and the fact that Villa, as a club, backed Newcastle shows you that it was obviously quite serious. So I mean, obviously we go again against Wolves uh, next week, and uh, they're currently playing against Liverpool. Uh, I think it was one 0 last time I checked. But um, anyway, let's uh, let's let's dive into the academy setup. Obviously, um, a hot topic at the moment for lots of Villa fans, and uh, a lot of a lot of people are. Uh, keeping a close eye on how our under 23s are doing in particular uh, it's been a bit of a well a bit of a revolution really um since the new owners have come in in terms of the academy setup um a lot has changed we've uh we've gone to our neighbors west brom and uh, managed to poach uh quite a few people um uh, to try and improve our setup i mean simon what are your initial thoughts in terms of what the new owners have done so far in the short time that they've been here in terms of the academy work. Obviously, a lot has been done in the first team in terms of new signings and how we're looking to improve and offering new contracts to some of our more established players. But the sort of the academy setup, that's sort of gone under the radar in the mainstream media. What has been your thoughts in terms of the work they're doing there? Yeah, I think I think it's been I think it's been overlooked somewhat to be honest with you. I think until this summer I don't think people realise the amount of work that the new owners have sort of put into the academy setup. Um I mean, it was long, long overdue. To be honest with you, it's been the the academy system had been kind of ignored a little bit under Randy Lerner, and then followed up by um, Doctor Tony. Um, so it was long overdue. But if you look at the academy structure at the club now, it's huge. We've got obviously all all of the new coaches have come in. We've under your new academy manager Mark Harrison, as you said, poached from uh, West Brom. Um, and then it's it's been the investment in terms of the it's it's the infrastructure at Bodymore Heath. They've got a amazing new facility now at the training ground. Um, before lockdown, obviously there was the the under twenty threes were playing there, and we, we were able to go. And I, I did go to quite a few. And I've got to say the the facility at Bodymore is absolutely incredible. Um, and then moving on along, alongside that, it's this, it's obviously the signings we made in the summer. Obviously coming from. Um, a lot of top prestigious European sides. I mean, for, for us to be able to get some of the signings we did just shows the sort of intent that the owners have and what they are willing to invest in in the academy side of the football club. So it's it's, re- it's really positive and you have to take your hat off to the owners because, um, like I say, previous owners hadn't, hadn't done that. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and you, you mentioned Mark uh, Mark Harrison there from West Brom. has obviously been a massive coup for us. He was there for 13 years and, and you know, West Brom were probably seen as the, as the club is the club in the Midlands in terms of the the academy setup and what they were doing, which is quite interesting. You know, I uh, you know you see Aston Villa such a massive club, obviously the biggest club in Midlands, no doubt about that. And in terms of the academy work that they've been doing, 
over the last 10 or so years, 20 years even, um, you know, we've definitely been being beaten by our rivals, which is a shame. Seb, what's been your thoughts on, in terms of the recruitment this summer? Because obviously a, a, a lot of signings that we've been ma- been making this season, this summer gone, sorry, have been sort of in that 15, 16-year-old age bracket. Um, so quite a long way yet for those players to develop and go before we see the sort of the fruits of that labour. What's been your thoughts around, on that, around the summer recruitment? Yeah, yeah. I mean... I'd echo what Simon says, really. I think Christian Perslow really wanted to make a stamp on our youth team as well as our owners and almost sit down his authority because we had too many players who were around the age of 20, 21 who were still in that youth setup and not really going anywhere. We were sort of just helping them train, helping them along, and then really we'd end up just chucking them out. So I think I think he came out and said it, that he wanted to bring in some of the world's best 15, 16 year olds, get them into that 21 bracket and then see what they can develop from there. Because then it allows us to get them out on loan early, to experience the first team football. And then finally, when they come back, they seem to be ready. And on the recruitment side of things, it looks like the owners have spent quite a lot of money going into the under 23s. And I mean, We've won some players that have been poached by the likes of Arsenal, Man City. You know, we're really competing with almost the top dogs, if you like. Obviously, buying Louis Barry as well from Barcelona. We're competing among some of the world's elite clubs. So I think it can only look upwards in this direction. And with Mark Delaney coming in, I mean, they've got one of the best youth coaches coaching them that you could ask for. So the future looks really bright. Yeah, definitely. And I think George Boateng has also stepped up from the under-18s as well to to assist him. So, you know, great to see two, uh, you know, Villa stalwarts that you know, Villa fans love being involved in the youth setup. Only, only bodes well for our future. The fact that they understand the club, they understand the fan base, and hopefully that feeds through to the team. You, you mentioned about uh, sort of the investment there, and, and, and you made a good point around, you know, the best 15, 16-year-olds. I think Perslow made a point early on that if, you know, if you're 20, 21 years old and you're or 22 years old and you're not breaking into the first team and this was in the championship as well then you're probably not at the level that we need whereas you know they want the 17 18 19 year olds to be knocking on the door a bit like jacob ramsey has been this season um and that's the kind of level that they want um and you've seen that with this with, and, and the money that we spent as well bogard being one um from from Feyenoord. apparently we spent quite a lot of money on him for a 16 year old obviously not disclosed how much we spent but uh, apparently we fended off a lot of big interest on him and there's been other numerous players like that Obviously, Carney, Chukwemeka, uh, we've managed to keep hold of. I think Arsenal, Man City. Yes, I did manage to say it right. I, no, think. I, <laughs> I was worried about that one. But uh, yeah, apparently, I think Arsenal, Man City were after him and, and it looked like he was going. The fact that we've tied him up for a, a, a few years now it, it is a good sign. Uh, the fact he's willing to stay with us. So lots, lots of good news going on and lots of uh, good news stories. I mean... Under 23s this season have had a mixed bag of results. Let's put it that way in terms of the, the league and also in the uh, EFL trophy. So, I mean, do you think do you think results are that important at this stage of their development, or do you think it's more about how they gel and sort of the, the way that they start playing and, and sort of you know um, the sort of the uh, you know I know Villa engine was the term used a few years ago that doesn't exist anymore, but that sort of you know having that identity and style of play. I think I think we're at a funny time, to be honest with you, in terms of the development of these players, and and that, and I'm say, I say that because because of the years of sort of ignoring the the youth setup at Villa, we we've got a first team which is obviously evolving and is performing really well. We've got an under eighteen side which is performing really well and evolving. But then you've got this bit in the middle which is the under twenty threes, and 
that I think people have got to expect results not to be so great this year because I think if you do have a look at the under-23s, we've lost so many of the senior players that were in that setup, and a lot of the a lot of the lads that are playing in the under-23s now are are really like youth team sort of players, um, and so they're coming up against players a lot older than them, players a lot lot stronger than them, um, and so I think Villa fans have got to look at have got to look at the results in the under-23 league and not concentrate on them too much this season because it's going to take a few years until Villa are sort of challenging for that sort of top three, top four in, in the under-23 uh, league. It's, just, it's not going to happen with, with your 15, 16-year-olds at, at the moment. It's, it's going to take time. Yeah, no, spot on. And, and I'm sure you've seen, Simon, you know, the amount of youth team games that you've been to where you've seen players completely stand out on that level and look you know, fantastic on the pitch. And then, you know, so they go up to the next level of men's football. It's a completely different spectacle, isn't it? So it's a completely different way of playing football um, uh, and it's a quite a tough step up and not many do make it. Uh, obviously, we've had players in the past like Gareth Barry, obviously signed from Brighton when he was 16, but, you know, 17 years old, he was already, you know, he looked like a man, basically. He was ready, the physical side of it, he was ready to play. Whereas I think a lot of players that we've got, uh, you know, there's some 16, 17-year-olds there who look quite physically imposing, but there's players like Louis Barry for, in particular who have got all the talent in the world, but obviously has still some gro- growing left yet, probably. Um, but but looking at looking at sort of the under twenty threes and in in a bit more detail then uh, said, I mean who who's in, who's impressed you so far uh, this season or who are the sort of standout players for you? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, we've got a load of players here who are really exciting, and there's even some that have made it onto our first team benches in recent weeks. I mean, Jacob Ramsey, he's had three starting appearances in the, the Carabao Cup. Obviously, the two wins and but the loss to Stoke, in which he did pick up an assist. So, I mean, we've got players that are not only playing for our first team, but are also producing at quite a young age as well. I, I think we forget he's only 19 because he seems his name seems to be banded around by us fans for, for years now. Um, yeah, I mean, there's loads of players. Mongo Bridge, who's been tying down regular performances. I think he's played 78% of minutes since he joined the club, so he's a real consistent one at centre-back. Look, there's players all over the park, and I'm really excited by it. Yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned Jacob Ramsey there, and we've seen, obviously, he's probably the the, the uh, player from under-23s that we've seen the most, because obviously he's been on TV, and, and for most Villa fans who don't watch stuff on YouTube or I follow or, or managed to go to games before, the, before lockdown kicked in, uh, I've probably seen the most of Jacob Ramsey. Simon, what's been your thoughts on, on Jacob Ramsey's performances and, and how close do you think he is to, to knocking on the first team door? Yeah, I, I think he's got a real chance. I really do. I think when you watch them, the 23s, um, what, you, what you tend to find is that you tend to find that there, there's a lot of good performances all over the pitch, but it's quite rare for players to absolutely stand out in the under-23s. I think that's quite difficult for players to do unless they're absolute top bracket. With Ramsey, he has been doing that on occasions in the last sort of 18 months or so. Um, and as Seb said, he has made that step up into the first team on occasions in the Carabao Cup. Um, and I think with Villa's midfield options, he's one of those sort of unique players. You know, we've got obviously we've got Grealish, who's absolutely world-class now. Um, and then we've also got like a top-class player in Barkley. But then past that, I think we saw, obviously Barkley was injured the last game. And um, we sort of scratching around trying to find someone to to replace him. And the fact is, Villa haven't got a like-for-like replacement in terms of a senior player. And so the next person in line for that sort of role would be Jacob Ramsey. So 
Yeah, it would it would be a bit of a risk to throw him in straight away because of his age. He's so young, um, and I can see why Dean Smith went with um, Conor Hurihan for the last game. Um, but he's definitely knocking on the door, and for me, he's something totally different. Um, and sometimes you do have to be brave in these situations. Um, and from what we've seen of him, it, it, it wouldn't hurt to give him a chance. And I think. If, if I was going to level any criticism at the Villa in the last few years about the young players, is that when we do have a young player who, who who you think might have it, we don't tend to give them a chance enough. And I think if you if you let the years go by without giving them a chance, it sort of fritters away. And it's it, it was it was the case with like Callum O'Hare, for instance. We he he was he was ready for first team a good few years ago, especially when we were in the Championship. Um, and yet yeah, the years went on, and he's now what twenty two, twenty three, and he's he's moved on to Coventry now, which. Yeah, but I, I just wonder. I just wonder with Callum O'Hare whether he he could have been better than, than what he was if he was given that chance. Um, and I just don't want the same thing to happen to Ramsey. Really, I don't think he will because he's, he's a bit younger than O'Hare was when he broke through. Um, but I, I hope he I hope he gets given that opportunity this season. I really do. Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, some really good points there. And you know, Jacob Ramsey, I really like him a lot. I think he's so brave on the ball, so fearless on the ball. And you know, Conor Harahan, you know, I love the guy. Great signing, value for money. What he's done for us, fantastic. Obviously, had a bit of a bit of a hard time uh, against West Ham. Not his best game, but I think one criticism you can have of Harahan is he does duck away from challenges and hide away from the ball sometimes when it's not going for him. Whereas the thing I like about Jacob Ramsey is he's, he does come across as young and fearless. You know, I know it's Carabao Cup games and I know it's a, a different standard, but he's always willing to show for the ball and take the ball in tight situations. A bit like Grealish in that in that respect. And that only bodes well for for his development and, and how he can do. Because I know there'll be times where he'll lose the ball or he'll get dispossessed. But the fact that he's willing to show for it and is, is being willing to be brave on the ball was a good sign. And you know, definitely I think he's he's you know, he's there or thereabouts in terms of getting that midfield. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him make a few appearances this season. Um and you make a point around some of the other players, Callum O'Hare. We saw Callum Robinson today playing for, for West Brom, and I think actually he's been he's been very decent for them. Uh he's probably been the, one of their best players, if not their best player. Um, and did well in the Premier League, uh, you know, previously as well. So, you know, th- there's been plenty of these types of players that have had a decent league careers where Villa haven't been able to give them a chance. Players like Jonathan Hogg, uh, we've had uh, Kieran Clark, Nathan Baker, Barry Bannon. You know, these types of players who've all done Andy Wyman. You've all done, you know, had, had decent spells at Villa, but have then gone on to play for a decent standard of league football, but not quite made in Premier League. And then we have other players like Old Brighton and Kay who are, who are Premier League winners who we didn't give a chance to. So it is frustrating when you look at it that way. But, you know, then going forward, you know, we've got Jacob Ramsey, you've mentioned uh, a good player, uh, Kessler as well, uh, who's in the uh, squad against Everton last year, who's uh, another name uh, that's, that's been mentioned. I mean, who else, do, who else do you look at in the under-23s and you think, actually, you know, this this player could, is the real deal. He, he could, You know, if everything goes well for him, injury, you know, stays injury-free, this this guy could be a, a, a top player for us. Yeah, firstly, I'd, I'd just like to point out the difference, the comparisons that you've made between Jacob Ramsey and Callum O'Hare. I think the difference is we've got uh, Jacob Ramsey out on loan, which I don't think we did until almost too late with Callum O'Hare. The, the nice thing is I saw Jacob Ramsey, I think it was Doncaster last year, and I ended up watching quite a bit of them because I thought, if he could, if he could show some good performances at Doncaster, then he's shown that he can do it in a smaller league, a tougher league, almost a more physical league, and that that can only mean good things. A bit like Jack Grealish went out on loan uh, when he was young. The team he went out on loan uh, to, not to count it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to count it. yeah. But um, 
think the comparisons made there are really similar. Uh, as for the rest of our youth setup, I think one that points out to most people is uh, Louis Barry. People were calling up, we were struggling to score goals last year and people were calling out for him to come into the squad. But I was one of those who were thinking, so early for a team in a dogfight, you've got to almost bide your time and be patient. Because if you stick him in there and he goes on a goal drought, fans will start to write him off and you know that's the last thing we need. But look, he's, he's got everything about him to go on to be a top, top player. You, you don't play for Barcelona if you don't have something about you. And we I think we spent quite a lot on Barry, maybe the biggest sum for one of our under-23 players so far. Obviously, they had that complications with the fee going to West Brom and Barcelona. And I think the deal almost got called off at one point due to the complications between the two clubs. But we ended up getting in through the door. And that was a really exciting one to see. I mean, he's played, I think it's seven, seven games so far this season, scoring four. So, you know, he's got a good return record for such a young striker only being 17. Um, he's he's coming up against you know defenders that are a lot taller and a lot more physical than him, but he he seems to be able to handle that well. He seems to almost be able to shrug it off. He looks very very quick with and without the ball, and he he almost has that poacher instinct of finding spaces in the box, getting into the box. And he's another consistent one playing 470 minutes in the seven games that he's had. You know it's not often that. They get to the 70th, 80th minute and he's blowing. He seems to be one of those that you can rely on in the latter stages of the game when the defenders almost seem to be tired and fatigued. They almost look for Barry, which is quite nice. And you see him weaving in and out, playing it into the midfield. His hold-up play looks really good as well. So I think he's got all the making about him to go on to be a top, top striker. Yeah, definitely. Another Villa fan as well. Um, probably are, well, you know, big a big name signing. He was in, in the youth... Uh, youth world if you like it made it made a bit of impact that signing i think it was one and a half million we signed him for Seb, uh, simon said made an important point there about loaning out players and something smith and perslow mentioned out previously as well as the fact it is it, you know it's so vitally important to loan these players out get them to experience uh, adult football uh, in a tough league uh, competitive league rather than playing under 23s where you can you know you can coast through really if you're if you're talented enough um What's your thoughts in terms of the loaning out versus getting him involved in the first team debate? Because there is one school of thought that says, you know, loan him out, get him involved in, in league football, get him in competitive football. And another school of thought that says, actually, in the current environment, there's no, there's not not many fans there or no fans there for Villa at the moment. Actually, the, the, the current environment is probably the perfect time to blood young youngsters into the first team or get them involved in the first team without the pressure of fans being there. I mean, where, where do you sit in that sort of argument? I think you have to strike a balance, to be honest with you. I think, yeah, you have to get a balance between it. I think we've we've seen in the past, obviously, Grealish went to Notts County and as Seb said, Ramsey went to Doncaster and performed really well. But then I have seen, we've seen in the past other players go out and loan um, to, to, to clubs and, and they haven't done so well. They haven't played for a start. And I think, I think that's the main, I think that's the main problem. I think one, one key player in the last few years, everyone was big enough, was uh, centre-half. Isa Sullivan, who, who captained the England under, was it the 19s, the World Cup. Um, he was highly rated, and yet he went out on uh, various different loan spells and hardly got, a, hardly got any game time at all for these clubs. And so it can, work, it can work both ways. I think the players have to be good enough for, for a start, to be starting for these League 1 and League 2 clubs. If they are good enough, then they will start. If they're not, then they won't. Because these clubs, you've got to remember, these clubs are in... 
sort of perilous situations themselves as well, you know. So it's no different in League One, League Two to how it is in the Premier League, really. But um, it's, it's it's a good point about what you said about the fans not being there in in terms of blooding these players. It might be the perfect environment. But then it always comes down to the fact that we're playing in the richest league in the world and um, depending on where you finish is, is equal to so many more millions for, for the club. And so you have to say our clubs are willing to make to take those sort of risks. And I think it's a, I think for Villa, unfortunately, it's been a risk that we haven't been willing to take enough in, in, over the years. I mean, you spoke earlier on about the likes of Jonathan Hogg and Gary Cahill and... Um, Callum Robinson and the thing is they have developed into the, into decent players in the end but the problem was I think being at Villa we're we, we this sort of club we, we, we've got a glorified history sort of thing we're we're a big club and I think everyone sees that but I think the problem that comes with it is that there's, there's an expectation level and I think sometimes people don't give us that sort of time sort of patience to blood these players they want instant success and it's it's not the way to build a football club. It isn't, and I think we've seen that. We we've tried to go down the route of buying everybody here, there, and everywhere across Europe and the world, and um, and not blood our own. And I, I think yeah, I think I think we've hit a point where and where we think well, we need to start developing our own. You know, to to try and become a sustainable football club. We just haven't been doing that. Um, and so personally, I'd like to see more of the youngsters blooded into the first team. But then I I do think you have to balance it out with whether they're a good enough and b whether it's too much of a risk and I think I think if you look at it a bit of both sides I I think that's the way to go but I would hope that the likes of Ramsey do get more game time this season definitely um, I mean the Doncaster loan did him really good um, and we'll see what happens come January I suppose um, but I'd I'd like to see him get a run I really would yeah no some. Uh... Really good points. I think you're right. You know, I think if you're if you're a team that's doing well in the league, you've got good players around you, and and there's a good general good mood around the club, then it's much easier to bring players into that sort of situation rather than what we have been in in terms of either the relegation fight last year and then before their promotion dogfight and then before then more relegation dogfights. And and actually, if you look at it, and that's something I've not, not really thought about until we just started talking about it now. If you look at the majority of the players that have come through the youth setup and they've done well, they've managed to get a place in the team have come I've come about because there's been a bit of an injury crisis or there's been a need you know you think all the way back to Gareth Barry you know there was a you know he came in in defense because we needed him to come in defense Vassal uh Vassal came in because we were short for strikers Gabby Agbonlahor came in because we were short against Everton because we were short for strikers under O'Leary um you know look at all these types of players Baker Clark under Julie Bannon you know all these types of players have come in where we've been struggling for, for players and, and didn't have the squad because of injuries or whatever. So only really Grealish has come in because on merit because you know he, he is obviously a once-in-a-generation player. Um, so it's an important point. And uh, you know, I think as long as the intention's there by Perse, Lowe and Co, uh, and, and it does seem to be, then you know we're going in the right direction. I think that's the main thing. And whatever happens from, from now on in, it, you know, it's up. Is is a you know is up to the players themselves in terms of how determined they are and how uh, how willing they are to fight to ma- to make it, but also a bit of luck as well. You know, there's so many academy players that don't make it, so many academy players that you know you have high hopes for that don't. You know, look at the Moore brothers, for example. You know, they they were absolutely banging the goals in back in the day in, in, in the youth in the youth setup. Back when the youth setup was a bit more competitive as well. You know, likes of Rooney and players like that playing against them, and and you know they didn't really make it. Apart from Luke, obviously Luke Moore had a couple of good seasons, but. Yeah, it's an interesting point, but I mean, let's let's look back at the um, back at the end of twenty threes in this season. Obviously, it's been a, a, a mixed bag of results, like I said earlier. But you know, like Simon mentioned, it's not really about that. It's more about 
getting that identity and way of playing. And, and obviously, we've got a lot of first and second year scholars playing in the under twenty threes. Uh, Seb, who else have you have you kept your keen eye on in terms of players to that you know might make it? You've mentioned Louis Barry there. Anyone else spring to mind? Obviously, some some new signings that have come in this year as well. Uh, yeah, I think there's um, a certain midfielder whose name I don't really want to attempt that you got what right earlier. So maybe. You could... <laughs> <laughs> well, Carney Chukwemeka. That's the one. Yeah, right. yeah. The lad from Northampton. He, again, only 17 years old, but he's really cemented his place, you know, starting seven out of seven games so far and playing 77% of minutes. You know, he's, he's got one assist to his name uh, and he's playing really, really well and he's attracting top, top clubs and he's, he's really waiting for his England under-17 appearance now. You know, there was, there was a lot of noise when he didn't make it into the last under 17 setup and it's only a matter of time really because he's bedding in these consistent performances and he's really looking to start he's really starting to look the part he's he's fitting so well i think i think he has the making for me of a future captain you know he he's able to play uh not only in the central midfield but he's also able to drop back as well almost going in front of that back four and holding its place. He reminds me a bit of Xavi when he was at Barcelona or Sergio Busquets when he was at Barcelona, almost just sitting in, you know, breaking up the play when he needs to and then finding a path, a bit like Pogba on his day when, when he decides to turn up. He, he looks really good and for 17 years old, he's, he's fitting brilliantly. Yeah, yeah, big some big shouts there, Xavi and Busquets. I love it. I love it. Obviously, you don't, I know you're not saying they're they're at the same level, but just similar types of players. I get it. It's a bit like Gabby saying about Iniesta and, and Grealish. I think yeah. most Villa fans know what he's talking about in terms of style of play rather than ability wise. But no, some you know definitely a player that you know you, I've seen a few games and and he's definitely stood out in terms of his ability, natural ability on the ball, and he's almost this modern type of midfielder. And we've seen it sort of across the, across the way in uh, in Birmingham City with Jude Bellingham. Um, and uh, a good friend of the show, Michael Dodds, who's an um, academy director there, is, is uh, basically been his mentor um, um, throughout throughout his career at Birmingham City and now moving on to Dortmund. Uh, and uh, his number is 22. And uh, it's quite an interesting story behind that. Basically, the reason why he's 22 is because um, the, from, from outset, when they were looking to develop him, they wanted him to be the, the complete midfielder. So they wanted him to be a number four, a number eight, and a number 10. Uh, and obviously those three numbers added together equal 22. And that's why he's 22. Uh, and that's what they're trying. I think that's what a lot of um, modern coaches, modern academy coaches are trying to do is trying to get these all-rounded players who are able to defend, able to attack, able to have the legs to press, uh, able to distribute the ball, tackle and have that all-round midfielder. And definitely, I think Chukwameka, he, he reminds me of that kind of player. Um, um, so some interesting points you, you made there. We seem to have a lot of uh, double-barreled name players as well in the youth setup as well don't we? we've got philogene bedance i think uh who else we got i forgot the others but there's there's quite a few isn't there uh i don't know what that's about is that a modern thing i don't know <laughs> what's going on what's, what's <laughs> philogene bedance i mean you're better at pronouncing the names than me but again him 18 years old he's he's probably still waiting to cement that starting place he's only appeared in the starting 11 four out of the seven times He's been substituted in three. So he's made an appearance in all of our league games so far. But for him now, I just think he needs to find that consistency. You know, he, he finds himself on the left wing. But I think 
The problem with him is he almost finds himself isolated quite a lot. If the game's not going his way, I think he's one to almost sit there and wait for the ball to come to him instead of him going to get the ball and winning it back and showing that real grit and determination. So he's one of those players, I think we were talking about it earlier, that maybe alone wouldn't suit so much because I don't think he's quite ready to get down to the nitty-gritty yet. But again, you know, he's only 18 years old, so that consistency comes with time and obviously experience. The more games he plays, the more knowledge he's going to pick up and receive. Uh, yeah, he looks really good. And as for these double barrel games, it's killing me because I'm really struggling. We've got about four or five of them uh, in the under-23s and the under-18s. Um, but yeah, there's there's Philogene Badans, there's Campton Sturridge. I don't know if any relation to yeah. Sturridge yeah. or not. There's another one in the under 18s, but yeah, there's loads. Um, anyway, um, yeah, some some really exciting players there. We've obviously signed Simon. We've signed a few this season as well. The Chick Mokay and Philogene Badans have been here, um, at Villa for a while, but we've signed the likes of you know one one example, one player that I'm, I'm quite excited about is Ben Christen from Exeter, 16 year old. I think he was was he the youngest ever player to play in league football or, or something like that. Um, but another player that's Quite exciting in the under eighteen setup, but has already played men's football. Um, yeah. you know, for Exeter. So quite quite interesting. Quite interesting signing, don't you think? Yeah, I think um I think we came out, we beat the likes of Man City and Liverpool to that signing. And I think as you said, it he, he did make his league debut when he was only fifteen. Um I think he's a midfield. I mean, I haven't seen much of him to be honest with you, because obviously with with the lockdown uh coming we obviously we're not been able to attend matches it's been really difficult to see these players it's been a shame really because it's been the most exciting time for our academy really yeah. with the signings and none of us have been able to see them which is um a bit of a strange one but yeah we've got obviously Ben Christine and then there's a there's a, a good few of us like the uh, Lamar Bogard as you said earlier and the uh, Sil Swinkles came in as well the, the Belgian lad um and I think we've sort of targeted that. We sort of targeted certain parts of Europe. Um, I think we brought a couple of Irish lads over as well from their clubs. Um, and so I think a big recruitment drive was sort of was, was sort of needed because we we did lose quite a lot of players. Well, not lose a lot of players, but I mean we let quite a lot of players go. Um, and I think as Seb said earlier, the reason for that was they're they're developing into sort of senior um, sort of senior youth team sort of players, and they haven't quite made it sort of thing. And so I think. Per, what per, I think Perslow said it at the I think it was the AGM last year I think at the Villa Trust AGM and I think he said that um, you know the club are looking to 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 develop players from a young age and if there's a player at 21 22 still sitting in our reserves uh, under 23 side then that's not offering anything to either the club or or the player himself um, and so that's why we've we've gone down the route of these young sort of recruits. Um, hoping that they do make the step up. But it's exciting. It is exciting. I mean, whenever you hear a foreign name, it's, it's always exciting anyway, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah. No idea how good they are or not, but um, let's wait and see, I suppose. But I think looking at all the stats and how highly rated they all were, um, it looks exciting. It really does. Yeah, no, really exciting. And, uh, you know, I know you you go to a lot of youth games and, um, you know, I try and see them online and what have you, but... It is a big shame they're not able to go, um, especially those types of games where, you know, it's not going to be a big crowd really, is it? Um, and, you know, you can easily socially distance at a game like that, I think. So hopefully that changes soon um, and you're able to go to those games because, uh, well, we need some more scouting reports, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. No, but definitely. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd just like to follow up quickly on what Yeah, go for it, mate. Ben. Um, I've actually seen Ben uh, play live when he was at Exeter because obviously I live down that way. I've actually seen him play and he's a really, really quick, versatile player. 
he, he can play in centre mid. I've also seen him play left mid. He's played a few minutes up front and he's also made an appearance at left back. So, you know, he, he's one of those that if you ask him to play somewhere, you know, he'll he'll play there and normally he'll play there to a very, very good standard. Uh, I, I actually spoke to him on Instagram when he when he joined. Um, I, I congratulated him on his move and what have you and thanked him for choosing us over the likes of Man City. And, and he basically said to me, you know, like Christian Perslo sold it to him because he went out of his way to phone him and get on a call with him and really convince him of the project we're building. Whereas Man City and Arsenal had almost just left him to the side and expected him to pick them. So I think that's the difference really with, with us making that extra effort and really pushing these players to sign for us. And they're all biding in with it. And it's a shame really because they brought out these new Brexit laws recently, which I wanted to talk about, about the fact that we can only sign, I think it's however many uh, under 16 players or under 21 players at a time. And we could, we, we're we not allowed to sign any foreign players under the age of 16. And I think the club had that in the back of their mind because they, they went all out really in the summer. So it, they must have had some knowledge about it. But it's a shame that that's been brought in because... Although we get to see more youth, English youth, flooded in from more local areas, I think it restricts almost us going out and looking for these players young and it will be more of a competition for when they turn however old they need to be. I'm not too clued up on the rules and regulations, but there's going to be more of a battle to sign them because at that age they're more developed and more clubs will have hopped on the bandwagon and heard of them. So it's a shame that that's been brought in recently, but it's a real positive that we went out and did that business when we did. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Um, you know, yeah, we've seen the, the recent announcement about the Brexit laws and uh, obviously we won't go into Brexit too much <laughs> on this podcast, but um, yeah, it's going to have a massive impact in terms of signings. And I can think, I can imagine clubs like Chelsea like to hoard players from abroad uh, will be massively impacted. Uh, and I think, you know, what you've seen with Villa is the first year we definitely look to um, focus on our local area much more in terms of primary school ages and, and obviously the, the recruitment from West Brom as well. And you know, we're talking about these young players that 15, 16 year olds, Ben Christine, you know, these types of players. Steve Hopcroft obviously is coming from West Brom as, as the talent spotter. And he, I imagine he's had a big say in these types of signings. And then this summer, we've seen, as you've said, I'm sorry, we've gone all out um, in terms of signings, signings from Feyenoord, Vitas Arnhem, and such. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't think we'll see the full impact of what Brexit will have in terms of the youth set up across the across the country for another few years yet. Um, maybe it'll maybe it'll be a good thing, and maybe we'll see more English players being blooded, as you said. Maybe not. Maybe we'll see a, a deterioration in standards. Who knows? But some really interesting points there and discussion points. Is it? I mean, before we sort of break off and go into sort of some of our favourite academy players that have come through the through the ages of Villa. Simon, any more any any more points you wanted to make on on the academy setup and and what your hopes are for the future? I think just going back to the point that uh, Seb made about the about the Brexit thing. Um, obviously, what we see this year is a bit of a negative uh, because obviously we this is the first summer we've gone out to to buy these sort of um, young players from from Europe. We were a bit late to the party in a way. So I think as you just touched on it, how Chelsea over the years have have just stockpiled players and sent them out on loans constantly. I think there was something. I think I'm sure a stat last year saying something like they had around about forty players out on loan Chelsea in the last couple of years, which is absolutely bizarre. So I think when you look at it like that, 
it won't be a bad thing because clubs like Chelsea will be stopped from doing that. And so it becomes a little bit of a level playing field. Um, but it's just, it's just sort of sad's law that it's happened to some of that Villa have sort of tried to go down that route sort of thing. Um, but as you said, who knows what will happen with that. Um, but no, in terms of the academy system, I think it's 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 a good thing. I think we needed it. We were needed an overhaul for years. I think. See, see when I see, so when I started getting into football, reserve team football as it was back then was how I started getting into it. I think my um, my dad started taking me to reserve team football because it was free, obviously free to attend. Um, and, and and we live right by Villa Park, and so it was just a, it was an easy thing to easy thing to do when I was a kid. And so that was sort of my introduction to football. Um, but back then. It was the it was the old FA Premier League FA Premier Reserve League, um, and it wasn't there wasn't so much of a focus on the young players. It was more of a um, get get your players fit for the first team sort of scenario back then. And so we went with this for years and years and years with Kevin McDonald in charge, um, and we saw positive sort of talents coming through. And then they just played in the reserves for years and years and years and then ended up being released on a free by Villa. And this happens so often, so so often. And I think. We, we we did produce a lot of gems throughout that time as well. Um, who went who went on to forge decent uh, careers, but probably not the careers that they probably should have done at the time. I think our academy system was good uh, years ago. It was good twenty years ago, but I just don't think we nurtured them enough to be able to move on into the first team. And so that's what you hope. But the the systems we've got in place now with Mark Harrison in charge there, and obviously Johan Lange ahead of him and Christian Perslow. You hope that 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 does start producing some more players for our first team. So it is positive, and I think it's the infrastructure that's the main thing. As I said earlier, Ryan, if you if any of you ever get the chance to go to Bodymore Heath um, to one of these under twenty three games, you'll see the the money spent on it, and it is it is really really incredible to be honest with you. Um, something that you expect, something you expect from a club like Man City these days, or um, or like a like a Chelsea or something like that. Um, it is really impressive, and I think the the board and the club have to be given massive. Um, yeah, massive, massive credit for, for for starting that sort of journey. I think it's going to take time, um, but it's it's the first step, sort of thing, to to hopefully a, a more brighter future for us. Yeah, no, definitely. I think they they built some sort of stadium, haven't they, for the under twenty threes to play in? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, they have. Yeah, so um, yeah, so they've got one like main pitch where there's a, like a, a stand for about three hundred people, I think it is. Um, and then behind there, they've got a totally new academy building. So the academy used to be with the first team in the main Bodymore Heath. But as you approach the main training ground at Bodymore Heath, you carry on going, uh, and there's another building now, which is where the academy are, uh, are held. They're, they're in a totally separate building these days, um, which, which 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 is good in a way, obviously, because they that they deserve their own pitches and their own their own sort of uh, setup there. And um, yeah, it's really really impressive. I've got to say, the money they spent on it. I think they I think what they did. I think they utilised the HS2 um, um, projects to 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 build the new academy infrastructure. Um, but yeah, it's r- really impressive. No, definitely, yeah, um, yeah. It's it's the new owners, isn't it? Really, um, you know, it's they've been so impressive on the field and off the pitch as well. Um, it's it's hopefully the start of something really special because you know we won't we won't see the the fruits of this labour. I don't think for a few years yet. Um, so, and the whole idea behind this is you know yes, yeah, potentially you know you can sell them for for profit and and make the club a bit of money and FFP and all that kind of stuff. But primarily, the reason why they want a good youth setup is to supplement the first team. And end of the day, you know, for for the owners as well, it means that they don't have to spend you know thirty million on a striker when they've got someone coming through the youth setup who's who's good enough. You know, a bit like we with Gabby back in the day. You know, we we decided not to buy Darren Bent and Jermaine Defoe when we when we could have. 
Uh, I know Darren Brent came later on because we had someone like Gabby and obviously saved the club a lot of money. Um, you know, and there's players like Grealish as well. You know, <laughs> you know, imagine trying to sign a player like Grealish now. You know, that that level. You know, it's just it's, we're very very fortunate in that respect. So hopefully, there's a, there's a few players there in, in the current setup who can who can have a, a similar kind of impact as those types of players that we've been talking about. Said so before we we move on to to sort of some of our favourite players. Any any other further thoughts on the academy setup and, and going forward? What what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think I think Simon summed it up brilliantly. I think the funds that we've gained or that we're gaining from HS2 and that project, I think they've utilised really, really well. And it, it's nice to see that the club care and they have a project and they have a plan for these youth setups because it's been mentioned. It's been mentioned already, but you know, under previous owners, it it almost felt neglected to in a way and. So the fact that the fans can see the work that's going on behind the scenes, I think that's really positive. And like I said, I think Simon summed it up really well. Yeah, yeah, and it's not just obviously uh, men's football, obviously women's football as well. We're seeing the seeing that as well, seeing the investment being made. And we have we haven't really touched upon women's football too much on this podcast yet, but we will be. We'll be hopefully having a special on that as well. But again, you know, yes, it's been quite a difficult time for 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 the team in terms of results, but performances have been great, and it's they're the very early stages of their development as well. So, it's, it's, I suppose it's, it's the same across the board, isn't it? In the first team, the the, the youth setup, the women's team, there's a lot of potential there, and a lot of uh, um, a lot of hope in terms of how well we can play and, and do in the league. We're all at various different stages of development, and and the first team obviously tend to, are probably one or two years ahead in terms of their development this year and what we've seen so far. Um, but yeah, you know, it, you know, I hope it's not a false dawn. I hope it's a, the start of something really special. Um, and as Villa fans, that's all we can hope for, isn't it? That's, that's the way we should always look at it. Um, and talking of which, you know, let, let's talk about our, our biggest hope and uh, the most special player that we've got at the moment, Jack Grealish. Um, and, you know, we're going to look at some of the... Uh, some of the old academy players and some of the best academy players we've had. Um, and and for, for Seb, I suppose for someone like you, 15 years old, very young, you know, not, you've not seen probably the kind of football that me and Simon have seen in terms of the youth of players coming through the youth setup. I mean, what, what is, what is Jack Grealish to you uh, as a fan? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think he's everything and more. The, the, the similarity I see with Grealish, it's really interesting because it's almost as though he's living all of our dreams collectively as one. You know, you see him walk out in front of the whole tent and you, you see how much it means to him. And it almost makes you think, wow, I mean, you know, that, that's a boyhood fan living his absolute dream and living it to the fullest as well. I think I, think I can safely say he's done all of us proud in the journey that he's come on. And... When I look at Jack Grealish, every season, I think probably from our first season in the Championship, every season I've, I've looked at Jack and gone, he's at his best now. You know, he can't make that another step up. He, he's, he's made his progress. He's incredible. And every single year, he seems to come back and prove me completely wrong. You know, last year I was thinking, this is the complete Jack Grealish now. You know, this is the full package. We have a brilliant player. And then he's come back this season and just taken it to another level again. So I think for as long as we can possibly hold on to him and see where he takes us and where we take him, you know, the journey he's been on is special and it's one that we can't we can't take for granted. Every time he steps on that pitch, we just have to enjoy him. Yeah, no, definitely a special, special player. Simon, obviously Jack Grealish, you know, we can talk about him all day. 
um, and we have done on this podcast before. But I mean, you you've probably uh, I know you're probably younger than me, but um, you've seen a lot of players come through our youth setup. Apart from Jack Grealish, who else is who else do you look back on in your time of watching Villa? You think you know that is a special player that's come through our youth setup and, and that you've loved over your time supporting Villa. I think there's been I think there's been quite a few. I think I started following Villa in around about I think it was just I think it was just around about the time of the two thousand FA Cup final I started following Villa. So a little while and obviously we've we've had some good players come through, the likes of uh Darius Vassell. Um Barry was a little bit prior to that. Barry was late nineties. Um we had Lee Hendry obviously in the nineties as well, a really top player. Um we, we have produced some really good players and obviously moving on to people like Gabby, who you know was very good for a number of years, and then obviously tailed off towards the end. But he was another one. But I can't quite put any of them in the same bracket as Grealish sort of thing. And I think, as Seb just said, he raised a really good point um, when he said that we shouldn't take him for granted. Because I think it might sound a little bit bizarre, but with Jack, I think he's massively underrated, to be honest with you, by everybody. And I don't think people realise how good he is because. Since I've been watching Villa, I think hands down, I can categorically say he's the best player I've seen pull on a Clarence Blue jersey during that time. Um, and I think we can take that for granted a little bit. I think, um, especially some of the younger generation, they think, you know, they've seen Jack all the time for Villa and think, oh, you know, it, this is just what happens. You know, he's our player. But I don't think sometimes they quite realise how good he is. Um, and you watch him on the pitch and it's he's, he's good at everything. He scores goals. He assists, it's his sort of balance on the ball, he's passing, he's defending, he's strong. I think he's really now, he's getting to that point now where you can really say he's world-class and he's getting to that point when he's the finished article sort of thing. And It's really exciting for Villa, I think, especially with him signing that new contract. Um, Villa in such a strong position going forward uh, with Jack. Um, and it's it's really exciting. I just hope he, he goes on to be you know, one of these one club man sort of thing. I'd, I'd absolutely love that to happen um, because I, I can't, I hate any links that come out saying he's, yeah. he's going to leave yeah. because he's, he's Aston Villa, isn't it? He's just, he's, and as Seb just said, he's living all of our dreams in one and um, yeah, he's special and I don't think there's been a player from the academy system. You, you could probably go right the way back to the, to the 70s sort of thing. We like, we've got like Gordon Carrens, I'd, I'd say, and even, and even prior to that, we like Brian Little, um, I don't think there's been a player like Jack for a very, very long time. No, no, definitely not. And, uh, you know, I've, I, I mean, I started watching football probably 93, I think, was my first year, proper year. Well, I remember bits of 92 as well, but 93, 94 was my first season. And, uh, you know, Gordon Cowns was sort of towards the end of his career, but definitely Cowns and Little were two names I was going to mention as players that, you know, Villa fans of an older uh, demographic love and, and talk about, um, Brian Little in particular, and Gordon Cowns' ability on the ball and his creativity. Um, and, and in terms of, you know, you're talking about Jack Grealish and, you know, being the best player that you've seen. And, and, and to be honest, it's hard to argue against it. Before before Jack Grealish came in, I'll probably think Dwight York was probably the best player, naturally gifted player in terms of ability that I've seen. And apart from and Collymore as well, although we never saw it at Villa. Um, and Barry was probably the best youth player that's come through. But even then, you know, he was he came at 16 years old from Brighton. So he wasn't really one of our own players like Grealish is. And Grealish has been at our club since, what, five years old, five and a half years old. He is Villa through and through. And that just makes it that much more special. And you're completely right in terms of his ability. You know, now, week in, week out, you know, he's the one of the top players in Europe in terms of his performances, in terms of his ratings, in terms of his stats, in terms of what he's doing on the pitch. 
Um, and you're just waiting for him to have a sort of a bad patch, but he just doesn't seem to be having that because he's just he's just so consistent. And he is basically doing what world-class players do, which is, you know, basically eight games out of 10, nine games out of 10, they're going to do something and, and have a special performance, you know, and, that, and that's how good he is. And, you know, hopefully we can build a team around him. And I, th- I think any team we come up against, you know, the fact we've got Jack Grealish in our team means that we can win any game. You know, some yes, we've had some great players, you know, and we've had a lot, and we've mentioned quite a few players that have uh, had some, you know, decent careers as well, but haven't maybe quite made it a Villa or not been at the level. But you know, we've had Old Brighton and Cale, two names we mentioned earlier. You know, they're, they're league title winners, <laughs> and so it's weird to say Old Brighton, especially. You know, another player. You know, we're talking about players being discarded. You know, I was sh- absolutely shocking the fact that we uh, we, <laughs> we got rid of him. You know, under under was it under Lambert? No, was it under Sherwood or Lambert? I can't remember. No, La- Latlia Lambert. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. under Lambert. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And you've seen how well he's done. Um, it's a it's a big shame, but hopefully we can we can go forward and uh, continue to develop these players, and they can have a big impact on our first team. But uh, both, thank you for your time. It's been absolutely wonderful to have you both on. Uh, I'm so glad you came on because uh, I could probably talk about five minutes about under 23 setup. The fact that I've got I've I've managed to get you two on to talk about it, and you're so knowledgeable about it um, is is really great for our podcast. So I really really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, I'd. Uh, uh, thank you again. Thank you for your time. Um, hopefully, the Learn Tour comes back with some games that they can actually go to. I know we're all looking forward to it. It's a channel that we all love to watch, uh, especially when we win. Uh, love those away days, especially. Um, Seb, you've been fantastic on Up the Villa podcast, a great podcast. Love listening to it. Luke's doing some fantastic work there. Great to see him on, on Football Focus as well. Good luck with the festive dash as well. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Excellent. And Simon, thanks for and oh, one thing I forgot to mention, Simon. I know you're at the front line as well. Uh, and these last eight months have, must have been pretty tough for you. So, thank you as well. I like yeah. to say from on behalf of all of us. So, thank you, thanks, mate, and uh, th- thank you for listening again. Uh, this was an episode that like we were going to probably do in a couple of weeks' time, but because obviously the game got cancelled, we thought actually we'll bring it forward and and do it while there's no football on. Hopefully, give you something to listen to that's quite interesting and, and different as well. And, you know, a lot of people have been talking about the under-23s and, and the fact that, like I said, we've got two people who have been quite knowledgeable about it has been has been great for us. But please do subscribe and listen to our podcasts. Uh, we're on all the major podcast platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, all of them you can name, even some random ones I've never heard of. Um, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review and rating. It really helps us out a lot. We'll be back uh, later on this week. Uh, with another late night ramble and preview of the Wolves game. We'll have Dan Bardell from the Villa View, 1874, who scored uh, the squad. <laughs> He's on every podcast going at the moment. Uh, he'll, he'll be joining me for a special look at that. And we'll be doing the uh, the, the game show, uh, Didier Cease as well. So we'll be in Villa's Room 101. He'll be picking his three choices to go into Villa Room 1. So it'll be interesting to see what, he, what goes in. I've got an idea of a couple of them, what they might be, but uh, we'll wait and see. But again, Simon, Seb, thanks for your time. Thanks for listening and uh, up the villa. Up the villa. I love it. I love it.